0: The last couple of weeks, and he, last week we talked about Jesus' encounter with Thomas. Uh, Thomas often gets a bad rap for being doubting Thomas. That's how many people know him uh, all throughout Scripture, and uh, I think last week we talked about, like, Thomas just wanted to see for himself. He wanted that personal encounter with Jesus. He had heard the stories, and he's like, no, I want to see for myself, I want my own personal encounter, and uh, at the end, I just shared, like, Thomas's life was transformed by that. He encountered Jesus. He saw uh, the holes in his hands, he saw the hole in his side, and his life was given completely to Jesus, and he ended up uh, being killed for his faith in Jesus in India as he shared the gospel there. Uh, But I want you to think about the encounters that you had have had with people in uh, your life. Um, Encounters say this, like, this was a definition on encounter, an unexpected experience or unexpected meeting with something or someone. I want you to think about your significant encounters that you've had in your life. And maybe the significant encounter, well, it better be uh, if you're married, like the, the person next to you, it was a significant encounter, like something, like there was a, it was a life-changing moment when you met your husband or your wife for the first time. And maybe you were expecting it, or maybe you weren't, all of a sudden, boom, Like uh, there was an encounter and you started to date and ended up uh, married and and here you are today. But I want you to think about those encounters that you've had in your life and how uh, transformational they can be. If I look back at my life, you know, there's just a number of different situations where I'm walking in this direction, and then all of a sudden there is an encounter with somebody. I'm like, wow, that was a good interaction, and uh, it transformed my life. I remember my first encounter with Cece um, on a soccer field at West Ottawa, and she ignored me. And at first, I was like, Ugh. I'm like well, who's she? And then uh, a couple months later, that same uh, summer, encountered her at a party. Uh, in the neighborhood and uh, obviously my life was transformed. Like those encounters, like they're unexpected. I remember like even uh, talking to other people and the encounters that they've had and specifically their encounters with the Lord. I was talking to somebody years ago about uh, his time in prison and he said he was going about his time in prison and because of uh, a number of different things, uh, disciplinary actions, he was sent uh, into uh, isolation. And there, as he sat in isolation for a number of days, he said, Dave, I encountered Jesus. Jesus encountered me. I thought I was alone, but I wasn't. Jesus encountered me in a powerful way, and this man had his life totally turned around, totally transformed by that encounter. And maybe even when you think about your faith journey and your relationship with the Lord, there was a time when you were walking in this direction, and you had an encounter with Jesus that transformed your life forever. And you're seeing the fruit of that encounter even today. We look at Jesus, and the thing that I love about Jesus is he's not distant. He's here in this space. He's here in this room. I love the passage where it says where two or three are gathered, Jesus is there. Jesus loves to encounter people and transform their world upside down, revealing his goodness and his grace into their lives. And so this morning, I want to look at Jesus' encounter with Peter. And if you remember Peter, uh, Peter was this, this wild man, like willing to step up boldly, saying, I'm going to follow you, I'm going to do whatever you, you want me to do, I'm going to walk on water, I'm going to come to you. And then all of a sudden, you know, he, um, he betrays Jesus, he denies knowing him. And so, after Jesus rose from the dead, there's this encounter with Peter and, frankly, the other disciples that we see in John chapter 21. And I just want to uh, read some sections and then share some things about it and uh, invite you to apply this uh, into our lives uh, this morning. So, it says this. Let's uh, look at John 21, starting at verse 1. It said, After this... After this, uh, right before was the interaction between Jesus and Thomas, it says, After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. They said to him, Well, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night, they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. And Jesus said to them, "'Children, do you have any fish?' And they answered him, "'No.' He said to them, "'Well, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some.' So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loves therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. And when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from land, but about a hundred yards off. Now, it says that they were not far from land, like, but a hundred yards And Peter takes off and he's like, see you later, you guys carry in the big haul of fish. That's still a long way to carry all those fish. And I'm sure like the other disciples just had some beef with Peter. Like Peter taking off, they're in the midst of uh, carrying all this fish. And they're like, you're you're taking off and like you're leaving this work to us? I bet there was some nice um, healthy conflict between Peter and the other disciples. Verse 9 says, when they got out on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast, which fish for me, like that's not a breakfast meal. Maybe it is for some of you, but not for me. Now, none of the disciples dared ask, who are you? For they knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead." so many things in this little passage. And this passage is filled with so many familiar scenes, so many pictures, so many things that would have propelled them back into their time walking with Jesus. I don't know about you, but when you go to a a specific place, maybe you go back to where you were raised, maybe you go back to your grade school, maybe you go back to your high school, doesn't it just like throw you right back into those moments and it brings back all of these memories? Or maybe your childhood home. Like if you go back to your childhood home, it brings back those, those memories. If I go to 1740 Birchwood Avenue in San Marcos, California, all of a sudden all of these emotions come back and I'm, uh, I think of myself as this kid playing basketball out in the driveway or taking my BB gun and shooting the windows out of the neighbor's house. Like All these memories come back and it, it feels like it was just yesterday. Like There's all of these familiar scenes that bring back these memories and this, Little section in John 21 is filled with those familiar scenes. I mean, we've heard this story before, haven't we? Like, what happened when the disciples were fishing before? I mean, if you go back to Luke chapter 5, and we're not going to read this, or, or um, in some of the other gospels, they, they share this story, it's a story of where there was a huge crowd. And Jesus was teaching to the crowd and, and didn't want to get uh, trampled by the crowd. And so he goes to Peter and he says, Peter, can I borrow your boat? And Peter, like, okay, here's my boat. And, and Jesus teaches all day long from the boat. And then he says, well, why don't you go out and, and let your you know, nets out in, in deeper water? And Peter's like, well, we fished all night and we didn't catch anything. And he says, well, go try again. And then we, we know the scene of all of a sudden the disciples just um, seeing all of this fish come into their boat, and, and Peter is overwhelmed. I mean, Maybe we, you remember the scene this scene from uh, The Chosen, and I got a couple pictures up, up here. There's uh, Peter throwing a net into the sea, and then all of a sudden, there is this huge catch of fish and fills two boats to the point where these boats are sinking. And Peter falls on his knees, and he says, oh, I am a sinful man, right in front of Jesus. This happened when Peter was first called to follow Jesus. I mean, so all of a sudden, the scene that we just read about in John chapter 21, after Jesus' resurrection, brought them back to the very beginning. It was something that had played out at the very beginning of their time in following Jesus. Also, there was another picture. The bread and the fish. And Jesus providing a meal, breakfast, the fish and chips before uh, the disciples. And they would have remembered that as well. Go back to Mark chapter 6. Jesus had just sent out the disciples and he said, go out two by two and go pray for people and do the things that I have done. And they come back and and they share all that has happened and they're tired and they're weary and Jesus uh, takes them away and he says, let's come away and let's rest a little bit. And then all of a sudden the crowds follow Jesus and the disciples are like, wow, there's a lot of people and Jesus has compassion on them and he teaches them. And then the disciples say, why don't we send these, this crowd away because they're hungry? And Jesus looks at them and, at them and says, you feed them. And the disciples are like, well, we don't have any food. And the only thing that we have are a couple uh, loaves of bread and some fish. And, and Jesus takes that and feeds 5,000 plus people. I mean, this scene after Jesus rose from the dead is so familiar. And now Jesus is doing this to them. He's again showing them, hey, cast your net on the other side, on the right side. And all of a sudden, there's fish that, that come into the boat. He provides them a meal. And I look at this, and I look at the Peter, and I look at the example of Peter that he had heard that Jesus rose from the dead. He had been in the room where Jesus came and just showed himself to them. And Peter all of a sudden says, well, I'm going to go back fishing. I'm going to go fishing. And the disciples are like, yep, I guess we're going to go as well. And to me, it just screams, don't go backwards. Like, we can easily go backwards in our relationship with the Lord. We can easily get comfortable. And, and um, you know, Peter was told by Jesus, like, go and make disciples. Keep going. Keep showing and telling people the kingdom of God is here and invite them. And after the resurrection here, Peter is like, ah, I'm just going to go fishing. And isn't there a tendency in all of us? Once we experience the Lord, once we encounter the Lord, just to go backwards, I think about the Israelites as they were rescued from Egypt. They're delivered from the hands of slavery, from the hands of oppression. And they're delivered miraculously through the plagues and through uh, God parting the Red Sea. And when they get out into the desert, they start complaining and they say, well, we don't have any food. We want to go back. At least, you know, in Egypt, we had food. And they want to go back to slavery. There is always this pull in our lives to go back. And this morning, I think one of the things that the Lord is telling us is, don't go back fishing. Don't go back to your old way. I look across this room and so many of us have encountered the Lord, have grown in our relationship with the Lord. And the challenge is for us not to go backwards, for us not to be complacent, for us not to settle, for us not to get comfortable, but to continue to walk in relationship with the Lord, to see his kingdom come and to make disciples and to share the gospel with people that we encounter. Peter walked with Jesus. He walked on water. And all of a sudden, his response was, I'm going to go fishing. I'm going to go back to what is familiar. But then Jesus also, as he provides this meal, I think this just reveals the compassion and the care that Jesus had for his disciples because he did this for the crowd, but here were these guys who were fishing and he invited them on shore and he said, hey, here's some fish and here's some bread. Eat, let's have breakfast. He invited them into a relationship and to me, it's a reminder that we are to fill up on the word of the Lord on a regular basis. To allow Jesus to sustain us and to fill us and not to look for our satisfaction in anything that this world would have to offer. I mean, Jesus is saying, here's a meal. And I think every day Jesus says to us, like he says to the disciples, here's a meal. Come, eat for me. Take my yoke upon you, my burden, for it's easy and it's light and I will give you rest. Come to me, feed on me. But also as I read this, To me, it just screams that we have to always return back to our first love. I mean, this was a scene. This was a scene that had played out before. And Jesus is bringing them back to their first encounter, the time when they dropped everything and followed him, when there was complete surrender and joy. And Jesus is saying to them, I'm not giving up on you. I'm here. I have more for you. There was also something here that was very familiar for one person. And it would have been Peter. There was a fire. Look at verse 9. It says, when they got out of the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it. There was another time in the Gospel of John when a fire is described. John 18, 18. Look at this verse up on the screen. It says, now the servants and officers had made a charcoal fire. Because it was cold and they were standing and warming themselves, Peter also was with them, standing and warming himself. What happened around that fire? You remember what happened around that fire? He denied knowing Jesus. And so all of a sudden, this is the second second instance of a fire in the Gospel of John. And I wonder, this is me putting some thoughts into Scripture here, I wonder if as Peter looked at that fire... I wonder if he thought, oh, I remember the last time I was around a fire, and now I am standing face to face with Jesus. What is he going to say to me? He told me that I would deny him three times, and I said, no, I would never deny, deny you. And now I did, and now I'm standing at this fire with Jesus. What is he going to say? We talk about encounters. I talk about encounters that you have with people and sometimes you might be at the store and you have this encounter with a person you're not expecting to see them and you maybe have a a contentious past with them. Those are encounters where you're like, ooh, how is this going to go? What are they going to say? I wonder if Peter was thinking the same thing because here was something else that was familiar and Peter is now face to face with the one that he denied and this is how it goes in verse 15. When they had finished breakfast, Jesus said to Simon Peter, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? Now, I wish we knew what these was referred to. Could it be the fish that they caught? Do you love me, Simon Peter, more than your job? The thing that you used to do before? Maybe he looked at the disciples. Do you, do you love me more than these? Like these, these guys that you're with, these relationships? Or maybe it's like, hey, do you love me more uh, than these? This, this pride that you had, like boasting that you would never leave me. We don't know what these is, but, but Jesus says, Simon, son of John, do you love me more than these? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. And he said to him, feed my lambs. He said to him a second time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And he said to him, yes, Lord, you know that I love you. He said to him, Well, tend my sheep. And he said to him the third time, Simon, son of John, do you love me? And Peter was grieved because he said to him the third time, do you love me? He said to him, Lord, you know everything. You know that I love you. Jesus said to him, well, feed my sheep. Truly, truly, I say to you, when you were young, you used to dress yourself and walk wherever you wanted. But when you are old, you will stretch out your hands and another will dress you and carry you wherever you want to go. And this he said to show by what kind of death he was to glorify God. And after saying this, he said to him, follow me. Now, there's conversation about the two words for love that uh, is in this passage. One refers to a brotherly love, and the other is this unconditional love, this selfless, sacrificial love. And I think you know, sometimes like that is good to get into those conversations, but I don't want to miss the, the big point going on here. Peter is face-to-face with Jesus. Face-to-face with Jesus. Peter knowing all that he had done, all that he, the ways that he had denied knowing Jesus. And what would Jesus say? Jesus invites him into relationship with him again. And I believe that we vastly underestimate the love of Jesus. I mean, Paul prayed this for us, Ephesians 3. I want you to know the love of Christ that surpasses knowledge, that goes beyond our minds, to know it here. And Peter, having just denied knowing Jesus, if we were there, we'd be like, oh, you know, Jesus hates me. Jesus is fed up with me. You know, I have to do a bunch of things to earn his approval. And That's not what happens here. Jesus says, Peter, do you love me? Peter, do you love me? Follow me. He invites him again into relationship. Jesus sees him and loves him, longs to have that relationship with him. And I believe that we vastly underestimate the love that Jesus has for us. Do you or are you again overwhelmed by the love of God that has been shown to you in Jesus? I think scripture is so interesting. In Mark 16, this one's up on the screen. The angels, they tell those who were at the tomb that, that Jesus isn't there, he's risen. And this is what they said. Now go, tell, the, tell his disciples. Which were like, okay, we know that. Tell his disciples. But in Mark 16, verse 7, it says, tell his disciples and Peter that he is going before you to Galilee. Tell Peter, tell Peter, the one who denied me, tell him I see him, that I'm coming after him. This morning, mom's here this morning, I want you to know that you are loved by Jesus. And his love for you isn't based on what you did the day before or what you haven't done or any mom regret that you might feel. That's not based on that. Jesus just absolutely loves you and longs to have a relationship with you those who are hurting here this morning, Jesus sees you, he knows you, he wants to have that relationship with you, and his love for you is so strong, and he wants to heal the deepest parts of your heart. As you grieve broken relationships, as you grieve a mom who is about to pass, or a mom who has passed, as you grieve all of that, Jesus sees you, and knows you, and cares deeply about you. I would invite you, all of us, to turn to him regularly. His love for you is so greater than you could ever ask or imagine. But his love for people is so greater than we could ever imagine. His love, his heart for this world is so much greater. He looks at Peter and he says, I want you to feed my sheep. I want you to go and give your life completely to me. And Peter does and he goes and he ends up losing his life and and being crucified upside down because he didn't want to be crucified the same way that Jesus was crucified. Peter gives everything to him. And that is the call and the purpose of all of our lives here this morning is to live wholeheartedly for Jesus. To live completely for him. To live a surrendered life to him every single day. And while that is our common purpose, it looks differently for each person in this room. Because Peter goes on, and I'm going to finish this little section in John chapter 21. Go ahead and put that next verse up there. Peter was told how he was going to die. Told the rest of his life. And he does this. Peter turned and saw the disciple whom Jesus loved following them. The one who also had leaned back against him during the supper and had said, Lord, who is it that is going to betray you? And when Peter saw him, he said to Jesus, Lord, what about this man? So Peter hears the rest of his life and he goes, well, what about John? How is he going to live the rest of his life? And Jesus says this, and this is a word for us today. Jesus said to him, if it is my will that he remain until I come back, if it's my will that he lives for thousands of years, what is it to you? You follow me. I think on this day and in our lives, we know our common purpose, but we can quickly look around and say, well, I can't share the gospel like this person. Well, my life isn't like this person. I don't have this or that in my life. I've had struggles or I've had joys. Like we look around and we compare ourselves to one another. And like Peter, we're like, what about him? And Jesus says to us today. I have called you to live for my glory and I've given you a specific purpose. Don't look to the left or to the right. Keep your eyes on me walking in relationship with me and living wholeheartedly for me. I want to free us up all this morning from that comparison trap that we find ourselves in regularly. Looking to the left or the right. Saying, well, I need to live like this person or that person. No, you need to live how Jesus is calling you to live. Obedient to the scripture. Not sinning, obedient to the scripture and what he said, but he has placed you in your spot for a purpose. and a unique position he's placed you because you are uniquely designed to share the gospel with people in your neighborhood, in your workplace, and in your school better than anybody else because you have been sent there by him to do so. And so put death, put to death comparison. Stop looking to the left or to the right and keep your eyes focused on Jesus. Let's pray together. Lord, I thank you just for this example that we have in Peter. This example, this, this story of it just, um, there's just so much here in your heart that just is, is for us. And so, Jesus, I'm asking uh, for anybody here in this room that doubts that you love them that maybe wrestles with that idea, or maybe something that they've said or done and they're just struggling with it. Jesus, would you just overwhelm them with your grace and your love? Would you show them in a very specific way that you see them, that you know them, that your heart is still for them? Lord, I also just, the endless comparison, I just ask supernaturally that you would empower us to get our eyes off of other people. And that you would empower us to fix our eyes firmly on you. And God, again, would you just give us boldness in this space. That you would fill us just to overflowing with your spirit. So that we could live wholeheartedly for you. And it's in your name I pray. Amen.